AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app, it is Monday. It is January 8th, college football playoff championship game day. Michigan and the University of Washington will be squaring off a little bit later today. Also, it's a it's a day in the NFL where coaches are relieved of their duties. We'll dive into some of the changes that have already been made either late last night or this morning. Some of the changes that might be expected a little bit later on throughout the day as well. We'll dive into the conclusion of the Arizona Cardinals season. The Phoenix Suns played yesterday. They'll play again tonight plenty to discuss and you can certainly chime in 602-260-1060 we'll take calls today around 11 30 and 12 15 once again 602-260-1060 but let's set the scene with today's poll questions and we'll start with the kdos1060.com poll question which is should the cardinals trade down the number four pick of the nfl draft if marvin harrison jr is not available and as things have concluded they are sitting in that number four spot yes now has flipped into the lead 73 percent of the vote no trailing at 27 percent yeah i think conventional wisdom at least right now you know three months before the draft is that uh the top three teams the bears the commanders and the patriots uh would likely take a quarterback uh so that would be good uh for the cardinals if they want to take marvin harrison jr number four but if one of those top three teams don't take a quarterback harrison would seem to be their guy hence the question we will officially provide our answer to the question around 12.30. Plenty of time for you to cast your vote. I'm tossing it on over to X at KDUS AM 1060. Who wins the CFP championship game tonight, Michigan or Washington? Bob had a conversation with Scott Eklund, dogman.com. If you missed any of that conversation discussing the Huskies and their run to this game, you can podcast it over at KDUS1060.com. Michigan is out in front, 57.1% of the vote. Washington Washington trailing at 42.9% of the vote. Michigan up to a consensus five-point favorite now, pretty much worldwide in this game. Uh, If you're a historian, uh, Michigan has not fared well at all in the all-time number one versus two matchups. They are zero and four in those kind of games. A question that we will officially answer around 12.30 today. As I previously mentioned, if you'd like to chime in, 602-260-1060. I have to report 
back here, Bob, that, uh, you know, Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. We give away a $100 gift certificate to the lucky winner. The lucky winner also tasked with giving us a weekend bet that we are set to collectively root for. Put $5 on it at season's end. We're looking to give money to charity. And uh, we were on quite a run. We had won five in a row. We were sitting at 12 and four on the season. And we were looking to start 2024 off right. And we were all collectively rooting for Baker Mayfield and his passing yards total over. Unfortunately for for us, Baker Mayfield still really, I think, hampered with that rib injury. Uh, he went under his passing total, but the Buccaneers did, in fact, win. They won the division, and they'll be in wildcard weekend. Yeah, I don't really think it was too much the rib injury. He went down with an ankle injury in the very first series of that game. And uh, he was really hobbled for the rest of the contest. And uh, I think that that was more than anything. And plus, Carolina wasn't going to score on uh, the Tampa Bay defense. If Tampa Bay's defense would have left the field or play with like six guys, they, they probably still wouldn't have scored. So there was really no reason for Tampa Bay to uh, push the issue uh, between the fact that Mayfield clearly the ankle thing was a much bigger problem for him yesterday than the shoulder thing. And then they didn't need to chase points because they were just going to win. Just don't screw up and you're going to win the game. The NFL playoffs are set over in the AFC. The one seed, the Ravens, the two seed, the Bills, three seed Chiefs, four seed Texans, five seed Browns, six seed Dolphins, and seven seed Steelers. In the NFC, the one seed, the 49ers, the two seed, the Cowboys, the three seed, the Lions, four seed the aforementioned bucks five seed eagles six seed rams and seven seed packers we'll dive into uh wild card weekend here a little bit later on in the show coaching changes have been made last night the falcons fired head coach arthur smith the panthers have fired general manager scott fitterer as they are also still looking for a head coach in this offseason and the commanders have fired head coach ron rivera so we'll get into that later on in the show as well but we'll get started here with the Arizona Cardinals and they came close to topping the Eagles and the fi- or the Seahawks in the final game of the season yesterday but ultimately fell 21 to 20 by the numbers Kyler Murray 22 of 30 262 yards one touchdown James Conner 27 carries 150 yards one touchdown four catches 54 yards that's 204 scrimmage yards for James Conner yesterday and Michael Wilson with another really good performance six catches in 95 yards James Conner with all of that in mind it became his first career 1,000 yard season and he did miss four games on the year but unfortunately it all came down to Prater who is you know arguably been the best player in the team this season missing the two field goals over the last three minutes of the game and then Cardinals fans if you're a hardcore a hardcore Cardinals fan I can't imagine there are too many players in the history of the organization here in Arizona that uh, have destroyed the Cardinals more than Tyler Lockett. And (laughs) I think it was just kind of fitting in uh, one of the worst seasons in Cardinals history, and that's saying something because they've had some really bad seasons, uh, that that's uh, the last uh, touchdown of the year they allowed was to Tyler Lockett. 
That and the two-point conversion. Uh, Gannon said post-game, good football game versus a good football team. They made a couple more plays than we did to win the game. I thought the first half we moved it pretty well. Need to score more points there. Second half put some points on the board. Defense played pretty good there. Gave up the touchdown there. Two-point play. Win as a team. Lose as a team. Told them in there. Proud of those guys. They fought all year. Went through a lot of adversity and good things are on the horizon. I told them too. I said I've never been more enthused about going into an offseason in my life so they are ready to come with me well not many of those guys are going to be ready to come with them though because you know, as i predicted last week and that's going to be kind of my uh, battle cry for the uh, next few months is that i don't think that uh, more than 25 percent of the roster that began the 2023 season will be on the cardinals roster in 2024 and uh, there are very few players, especially in the defensive side of the ball, that have been on the field in the last half of the season, I think, are even going to be here next year. Uh, so then the follow-up question here is, why are you more enthused than other years? Gannon says, because I know what this team can be. Then the next follow-up question was, what can this team be? And he said, competitive, smart, tough team that is playing meaningful games right now. Then another question about enthusiasm for next season. What enthuses you about Kyler? Gannon said the competitor that he is, his will to win, the teammate that he is, the person that he is, his intangibles to move forward with this team and play winning football week in and week out. Okay, let's start with the team thing. I think that's all coach speak, um, you know, which is, you know, we learned many months ago, uh, really during the offseason, in fact, uh, that uh, you know, he's a lot about uh, you know he he doesn't he, publicly and to his credit and it's been very consistent uh, except for the you know, one the one game against the Rams uh, where I think he kind of questioned his team's effort you know really his he has not gone through the media and said anything negative about his team and you know this is a really bad team and there were plenty of things you, I, I you know I guess all the negativity comes from me apparently. Uh, because this team sucked uh, throughout the season. I did, they did play hard. They just don't have very many good players. Hence, there's going to be a massive roster turnover. But all that stuff, uh, the, the first part of this was just you know, coach speak and something I would expect. And I would uh, I would be shocked if it was anything different at this point after we've listened to him talk for almost one whole calendar year. As far as the Kyler Murray thing, you know, they can say what they want about Kyler Murray, but the bottom line is they're stuck with him. Uh, whether they really like him or not, I think that's uh, maybe it's you know, open to debate if you get the truth serum thing going. Uh, but you know nobody's going to take the way he played this year, which was inconsistent at best. Nobody is going to take him after, based on his performance this year or his contract in the trade in the offseason. How meaningful was it to get James Conner 1,000 yards? Uh, Gannon said, I thought it was fantastic. I think the first time he's done that, he missed four games. You guys know how I feel about that guy. A true warrior, a true pro. Can't say enough good things about James. Put the team on his back, him in one, and made it happen. But like I said, we just have to make a few more plays than they made. I'm very happy for Connor. I mean, he is one tough dude with something we've talked about since he's been. Actually, I talked about it before he even came here. And obviously, going through his cancer situation back, you know, when he was in Pittsburgh. And I just I admired him as a player uh, when he was with the Steelers. I didn't have any idea it was this good before he came here. 
and played the last two or three years. And I, you know, this it's great that he uh, was able to achieve the milestone yesterday, especially after he missed four games. However, one thing I've been saying for many years, this 1,000-yard thing is a joke uh, just around the league. It's a joke. I mean, it's 17 games now. 1,000 yards was a really big deal back in the 50s and 60s when they played 12-game seasons. It was okay when there was a 14-game season. 16-game season, it became a joke. And 17 games, come on. I mean, 1,000 yards, do the math. That's not that great. Kyler's connection with his wide receivers the last two games, uh, Gannon said, I think the more reps that Kyler has with the, these receivers in this offense, I think it's critical, and I think it'll be a huge focus moving into next year. I thought the improvement throughout the whole year, but especially when came one came back, I thought it was there. Sometimes it doesn't show up with the stats, but the production started to become that, and that's what we'll need moving forward. Also piggybacking off of that, specifically asked about Michael Wilson's performance. I mean, I thought he was lights out he was excellent Mike Wilson you're talking about yeah I mean what he have 90 some yards 100 yards whatever made some big time catches in some critical moments the guy can play agreed when he's out there but that's unfortunately not happened uh, with frequency in his college or one year in the NFL and uh, other than Trey McBride I think the Cardinals need significant receiver help between now and the start of next season Hollywood Brown and Michael Wilson have had injury issues. Uh, Rondale Moore, Greg Dortch, uh, those guys are no better than third and fourth receivers on a team with an average roster. I think they're actually both kick return. They're kind of the same guy, other than the fact that Moore is just faster. Uh, so they, they need to do a massive overload at the receiver position before next season starts. You touched on Matt Prater and the misses, the misses that came from 43 and 51. Gannon was asked what he said to Prater, and he said, it's not about you, man. Keep your head up, kid. He's won us plenty of games. Prater did, in fact, speak after the game, and he was asked how he processes and assesses this season and the team in addition to what has unfolded from yesterday. And he said, well, overall for the team, we were competitive, played hard. I'm excited to come back. I know we have the right guys here to make some moves next year and go on a run. But for me personally, it felt like I had a really good season until today. And for me, that's something that will motivate me all through the offseason to not have this feeling again. The worst to me is just letting my teammates down and not coming through for them when they needed me to breaking down his statistics for the year from 20 to 29 yards field goal six of six 30 to 39 yards he was seven of eight 40 to 49 yards six of seven 50 plus nine of 12 his long was 62 so overall that accounts for 28 of 33 and he was 22 of 23 on extra point attempts yeah, I actually think that Drew Petzing and Kyler Murray let down Prater in that last segment, uh, last uh, drive, I should say. Uh, you know, they should have done much better than gotten closer than a 51-yard field goal attempts. And I know he has all these field goals. He just cited the numbers over 50-plus yards. But still, I mean, they could have gotten a whole lot closer. Yeah, Murray missed a wide-open Rondell Moore on a play that would have been a huge play and moved them much closer i would say you know conservatively speaking sometimes somewhere in around the 30 yard line i'm guessing if the you know assuming the tackle would be made by seattle and considering seattle's tackling that maybe it would have gotten closer 
Uh, so there's that. And then I just understand the play calling. It's like they were going to just settle for a long field goal when that drive started after Murray missed that pass to Moore. And I think they could have done a much better job of making it easier for Prater. I agree with that. There was definitely some head-scratching moments there that I was surprised that it got maybe so conservative. And, and maybe that's just uh, kind of a luxury, yeah. having Prater in the leg that you have, that you kind of get in your own way in those moments. Right. I mean, you know, in the, I don't care. That, you know, well, it'd be nice if he made the prayer field goal and they had the two-score lead and they would have won the game. Uh, even though if that if they won the game, that would have further hurt their draft situation. <laughs> so I think in the long run, at least looking ahead uh, to the next few months, I think it's actually a good thing they lost the game. Uh, but still, I, I just didn't understand. Uh, conservative is a good word that you use there. I didn't quite understand what the process was. And it's you know, great that he has a strong leg, but I think it's just, you know, I think it's full, foolhardy sometimes and was obviously yesterday. To just depend on his, you know, leg strength uh, to, you know, you know he's going to get it there. But you, you could certainly get a lot closer. They could have gotten much closer, and that would have been a much easier field goal attempt on the final field goal attempt of the game and season. You know, it was interesting when I was going through the numbers for for Prater here, and it, it seemed to me that there were some complications earlier on in the season, and I guess it kind of resulted in him still making the kicks, but it kind of came down to the operation of things with the snap and the hold, and once they figured out who was going to be the holder for Prater, things got a whole yeah. lot better uh, operationally, special teams-wise, for him. Yeah, and I think that also happens in the offseason. Remember, there was the punter. Who's going to be the punter? And, you know, the punter in the NFL is usually the holder in almost every case and every team. And so, you know, I think those guys are, if you go to, you know, if you have a chance to go to any training camp practices or offseason workouts or whatever, you know, those guys pretty much are, you know, the long snapper and the holder and, you know, the, the punter and the kicker all kind of by themselves doing their own thing. And uh, they didn't have, you know, like seven or eight months of all of that collectively like most teams do. Since we're talking about special teams, I'll just note here about the trick play uh, where they went for it on fourth down. Kyler connected to Trey McBride in the back of the end zone here. And Kyler was asked about that post game, and he said five years Five years. Coach Rogers has been trying to dial that one up for five years. Finally got it. Finally hit it. Rookie year tried it in New Orleans. Couple other places. He was geeked up about that one. So just uh, a highlight there yeah. of the special teams. Well, however, that was an illegal play. As it turns out, uh, that game, that play should have been stopped, uh, or at least you know they should, the Seahawks should have been allowed to substitute. They pointed that out in the television coverage during the game yesterday, and I heard it again mentioned last night on NFL Network. Uh, you know, the uh, Seahawks should have been allowed to substitute, and they weren't allowed to substitute because I don't know if the, you know, the and they also pointed on the television coverage that the uh, the officials weren't really in position uh, because uh, they were just anticipating a field goal attempt and not that formation. I will say live, in person, it all happened really fast. You blinked, and we were like, whoa, what just took place? Correct. Oh, my goodness, a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't there yesterday, so that's why I kind of had, in a way, it was kind of helpful to me that I wasn't there because I had the you know the, the television perspective and the, the you know, almost immediate response. It is that, that was an illegal play. 
A couple of things from Kyler post game that we'll get to on the other side of the break and then uh, touching a little bit on what we think about uh, the team and in the offseason here and some of the notes that you've made throughout the season. So we'll do that on the other side of the break and we'll get into more of what's going on in the NFL as Wild Card Weekend or I guess I should start calling it Super Wild Card Weekend, is set to get going here uh, this Saturday. So we'll dive into all of this coming up here in the Extra Point on this Monday, January 8th, right here on KDUS AM 1060. Have you downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is mail, chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Continuing some more thoughts, wrapping things up from the 21-20 loss to the Arizona Cardinals yesterday in addition to them uh, now officially having the fourth overall selection for the 2024 NFL Draft. Uh, second Second offseason for Monty Austin Ford as general manager and Jonathan Gannon as head coach. But wanted to just touch on a couple of different things that Kyler Murray uh, was asked and said post game, And then we can get into some of the takeaways that Bob had to conclude the season here for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Kyler was asked uh, anything that he takes away from this in a big picture sense. And he says, you know, just talking to Izzy, that's the uh, quarterback coach, you know, personally, last two weeks, you know the form I was telling you about like didn't feel like there was anything they could do to stop us thought we were clicking on all cylinders I mean today we were a little sloppier than last week but y'all don't really know that we'll watch it and clean it up but it's a lot to look forward to but you don't want to lose I don't want to lose nobody in there wants to lose feeling like we should have won that game but at the end of the day yes in a sense there is a lot to look forward to I'm excited about it I know the guys are excited about it trust and believe in Monty and JG and what they got going and what they are building here complete 180 i'm happy i'm happy happy the position that we're in and i look forward to next season yeah i kind of disagree with him a little bit i thought you know the game against the eagles last week he was much better as far as accuracy goes and you know the numbers i think sometimes lie if you don't watch the games uh, but you know, yesterday, I didn't think he was that accurate. He threw a lot of passes that were not in stride. You know, James Conner in that one play had to almost completely stop and you know turn around, almost do it like a 360 to catch the ball. Uh, and uh, and also, you know, you know, Michael Wilson made a couple of really good catches on balls that were not accurately thrown. And really, you know, Murray came back, and I admire him in all professional athletes, and especially the one that has an ACL injury that depends on mobility. Came back on November the 12th after he had that uh, torn ACL in December. Uh, but really, I didn't see hard, much of a difference uh, between Murray and uh, with his accuracy and his questionable decision-making, which is still there, 
I mean, for a guy that's played this many games in the NFL, three reading zone and man defense, it seems to be a problem. And there's picks that are just inexplicable because he has problems with that. So I really don't, and he's not going to get taller. Uh, you have very few short quarterbacks have an above average NFL career, quite frankly, uh, and unless they have special passing skills. And I don't think Murray has special passing skills. He was asked uh, how the trust has evolved in the offense here, and he says, I just think being out there, you can't put a price tag being out there with the guys and getting those reps. It's priceless, really. The more time we are out there together, the better we'll be. I think we all saw that. We got better each and every week, so I'm looking forward to it. I agree with that. I think that uh, they need to, you know, the offensive line is going to be a big issue in the offseason. I think it was, to me, going to be a big issue anyway. I think it was uh, it was obvious weeks ago, and we've talked about this literally since you know first sometime in October, that it was you know pretty apparent, and then it became I think really obvious that this offensive line was really good in run blocking situations and when they had a lead, but struggled in pass protection. Uh, even before DJ Humphreys unfortunately went down in Week 16 with the uh, torn ACL. I was advocating that the Cardinals draft uh, two offensive linemen in April, and I mean high in the draft in April. You know, the Humphreys injury, I think, eliminates any chance that the Cardinals uh, would have, uh, you know, drafted an offensive tackle uh, and then move Paris Johnson to guard. Now I think they might draft an offensive tackle wondering, you know, when is Humphreys going to be playing again. But to me, Johnson is much better and much better suited as a guard. Thought he was in college at Ohio State. He was a much better guard in his two years he played there at Ohio State than he was at tackle. And I didn't see a whole lot, quite frankly, in pass protection from Johnson this year that uh, in his first year in the NFL, it has changed my mind on that. Yeah, I, I think uh, in assessing the offense here, it, it definitely looks much different with Kyler versus, you know, Joshua Dobbs. I think being able to have a solid run game and just the, the physicality of James Conner and that offensive line run blocking is a really solid thing moving forward. Um, and then if that connection with Michael Wilson continues, then to continue, you know, if you have the chance to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. or some other wide receivers that are going to be really good coming out in this draft that'll certainly help to bolster uh that room because it, it, it's it's depth is challenged yeah i think cardinals will be making a massive mistake if they actually think that michael wilson can stay healthy uh, between stanford and here this year how can you count on that uh then you know defensively here pass rush corner those things are also going to be uh, important to address in the offseason. Well, I think defensively this is a mess. I mean, there's, I don't think there's a team in the NFL, including the Carolina Panthers, that has a worse defensive group of talent than the Cardinals at the end of the season. I think they have one player from the, start, from the front seven uh, that started this year should be back. Well, I should rephrase that. It, it should be a starter, or guaranteed to be a starter next year. And that's assuming that Kaiser White is going to recover from the season in the elbow injury that he had in November. He's really good. Other than that, nobody in the front seven should be guaranteed of a roster spot, let alone a starting job. The secondary, I think there's only two NFL caliber players in the entire group. 
Uh, safeties Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker. Obviously, Buda Baker, we talked last week's a joke that he's in the Pro Bowl. He had his worst season, uh, his least impactful season, let me put it that way, as far as the NFL. Uh, but those two guys are NFL-level players. Nobody else in that secondary should also be guaranteed to even have a roster spot here next year based on the way they played this year. I think taking away, you know, obviously uh, the the depth of the roster is what it was all season long. But the thing for me that stayed impressive is that uh, Gannon and coaching company found ways to put their players in positions to have success to kind of mask some of the uh, areas in which we're glaring holes trying to find those matchups that are going to be effective for them week to week but then also just the way that the players talk about the buy-in from their coaching staff and it does seem like there is total and complete belief in uh, what the vision is. We have a little different uh, attitude here on this. I don't give a damn what the players say. What are they supposed to say? Uh, at least publicly, you don't know what they're saying privately. Uh, I'm assuming there's most of them agree with that and say that privately too. But uh, you know, I don't. You know, the, the coach speak that I talked about. There was a whole lot of players speak this year too, and that's going to happen when you have a horrible roster and a team that was, quite frankly, fortunate to win four games. They're not even that good. And they, they you know, the, the season win total at the start of the season, you know, most of the offseason was five and a half and got bet down to four and a half. They didn't even exceed that. To an extent, I understand what you're saying about how you're supposed to publicly kind of back you know, what your your uh, coaches are, are saying. But it does seem like if you really don't believe in it, you can skirt the skirt the question in a way. And it seems like a mm. lot of players kind of went out of their way to really highlight it. Well, that's because they don't have players on this roster that are established players. And, you know, what are they going to say? I mean, you know, there's very few guys in this team that are guaranteed to be here next year. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. We'll also start to transition to go around the NFL with games that took place over the weekend and therefore what ended up transpiring, who's in, who's out of the playoffs. So we'll get going on that on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Teams Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. 1140 here on KDUS AM 1060 online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. Going around the NFL, if you'd like to interrupt, feel free to do so. 602-260-1060 is the number. But we'll go back to Saturday here briefly with the Steelers topping the Ravens 17-10. to The Steelers did what they needed to do by getting themselves the win. 
having a chance at the playoffs, and the rest took care of itself as they are now the seven seed here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the cause for concern, T.J. Watt, uh, J.J. Watt took to X yesterday to say that T.J. suffered a grade two MCL sprain. Everything looks pristine, or everything else, I should say, looks pristine, but it will be a couple of weeks of rest and recovery for T.J. Yeah, that's also, uh, I think that was actually reported by a couple of the insiders before uh, their brother went to, uh, you know, social media to just, you know, just disclose his diagnosis on that or what he knew. Uh, so that's obviously a really big deal, uh, especially, uh, you know, considering what they're facing uh, in the upcoming uh, yeah, game here, at least uh, at least one game against Buffalo. Uh, th- I will say one thing about the Steelers is uh, – if they have a lead in the fourth quarter, uh, they don't lose. They won 17 consecutive games with leading at some point in the fourth quarter. 17 in a row. How are we feeling about Mason Rudolph? He was 18 of 20, 152 yards, one touchdown, no turnovers there in a, you know, a game that had some inclement weather. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah just a bit. Uh, no doubt. I don't think very much of Mason Rudolph or any other quarterback on their roster, quite frankly. And I think that Pittsburgh should go out and get a new quarterback next year. And I think I've said that like three or four years in a row. Uh, but, you know, it's great that he won games. Uh, the game on Saturday, I mean, Cal Hamilton, Marlon Humphrey didn't play. Lamar obviously didn't play either. Uh, and then the other two games that uh, they won uh, were against teams, uh, you know, against you know, Cincinnati's defense, which went completely down the tank uh, for the majority of the season, quite frankly. And then the Seattle defense, which was amongst the worst in the NFL in the second half of the season. Those would be his three wins. Inclement weather and those other two defenses. So I don't really care about Mason Rudolph too much. I've got to decide whether I think he's good enough to uh, make me get on the plus 10 in the Pittsburgh Steelers against Buffalo this week. Texans and the Colts. Texans 23, Colts 19. Rookie quarterback, rookie coach. They end up winning the AFC South, that being the Houston Texans. Interestingly, though, for the Colts, Jonathan Taylor, he was amazing once again against the Texans. 30 carries, 188 yards, one touchdown. But in a pivotal fourth down play with the game on the line, uh, he wasn't on the field. Yeah, I think Shane Steichen, who we talked about on Friday, uh, I think he completely eliminated himself from the coach of the year voting. Uh, not just the last play, uh, but you know, that whole drive. He had seven minutes. Uh, he had decided to do uh, the, uh, the so-called four-minute offense and let it come down to one drive. Uh, they could have been much more aggressive, and they may have uh, maybe gotten the ball back after uh, you know, the first drive, first drive failed. No doubt that fourth and one call. Uh, the call was interesting in part because you had a third string running back who had six catches the entire season as the pass catcher in that game. And uh, certainly that was not a good throw by Gardner Minshew. Uh, it, wasn't, uh, it should have been an easy pitch and catch. The play call was okay, but I just don't understand you know, why you have, don't have you know, even, you know, even you know, Zach Moss is a good pass catcher. Uh, you know, yeah, that's something that you know, you can, you know, there's differing opinions of whether, uh, you know, basically, you know, you, know, you, you, you really whether Taylor is a good pass catcher or not depends on who you listen to or talk to or, you know, what metrics you believe in. But just uh, 
And you know, Steichen just completely eliminated himself from the coach of the year voting because everybody was watching that game on Saturday night. I assume everybody that has a vote was watching that game on Saturday night, but who knows because a lot of people have voted these awards. I wonder how much they actually watch the games. As far as Houston goes, you know, C.J. Stroud, 7-7 seven seven on that final drive for Houston. He pitched a perfect game to Nico Collins, uh, nine out of nine targets uh, completed, 195 yards, starting with that opening play, 75-yard touchdown. And uh, who says that, uh, that Ohio State and Michigan can't get along because uh, Stroud and Nico, Mc- Nico Collins are Ohio State and Michigan guys? Yeah, and C.J. Stroud had a little bit of a funny comment about it after the game that they. Oh, he, I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he said he like went to the wrong school, but that they just don't they don't talk about it so that they can uh, be friends <laughs> and have their wide receiver to quarterback connection. Okay, that's good. Also, though, a couple of really bad injuries, possibly or you know, impactful injuries here for Houston. Yeah, Will Anderson was in and out of that game the whole time. Of course, he's been battling this high ankle sprain for a couple of games now. And Denzel Perryman left the field and did not come back on the final drive. I did not hear anything about him. I didn't even hear what the injury was. Uh, but, you know, those two guys are really important defensive players for Houston. Over in the Vikings and the Lions contest here, the Lions 30, Vikings 20. The Lions were playing for a chance at the two seed, but they needed to win, and they also then needed Dallas to lose. But in this contest, potential implications for the Lions with tight end Sam Laporta being carted off with a knee injury. Ian Rappaport reporting MRI revealed hyperextended knee and bone bruise and that he'll, quote, likely miss some time. Uh, so that certainly is pivotal there for what the Lions are doing offensively. And I'll add one more. Khalif Raymond, their excellent kick returner and their fourth receiver, he got injured in the fourth quarter of that game. And I know Dan Campbell's all into winning and all that, uh, and they got their 12th win. Uh, congratulations. But, you know, they weren't going to be anything other than they weren't going to get the one seed. Uh, so I think it is legitimately uh, criti- legitimate criticism that could be out there, and I, guess, I assume it is to some extent, of uh, whether Campbell and the Lions win about this the right way. The good news is, uh, at least on Saturday, they got two of their better defenders off the injured reserve list with C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Yeah, I think that was his first game since, like, week two of the season. And also, Aleem Mitchell, uh, one of their best defensive linemen, he was also activated and played on Sunday. The Falcons and the Saints, the Saints 48-17, all the focus here post-game on the Saints uh, as they were in victory formation, but they ended up giving the ball to Jamal Williams for a touchdown. He led the league in scoring last season with 17 touchdowns. This season, he didn't have any until that late moment there. Jameis Winston asked about it post-game, said it was a team decision to uh not listen to Dennis Allen and go ahead and give the ball to Jamal Williams for the touchdown there. Arthur Smith, very upset postgame. Arthur Smith, though, uh, doesn't matter as he was let go of his position with the Atlanta Falcons late last night. Good move there by the Falcons. They should have done it two years ago, not waited three, you know, go through three seasons with Arthur Smith. It was a disaster from the start. They never won more than seven games in any of those seasons. Uh, Calais Campbell, I hope he's okay. Um, unfortunately, uh, he got injured in the second half of this game. Um, that might be his last game, and it was a really excellent career, which, of course, began here with the Cardinals. Uh, we saw, hopefully, we've seen the last of uh, the Ty- Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter garbage. 
Uh, Heineke was inactive for this game. Ritter was absolutely terrible uh, in this game, and he was pretty much terrible the majority of the season except for a couple of drives in fourth quarters that made people think he's a decent quarterback. Uh, so in addition to a new head coach, I would hope they're going to have a new quarterback. And there's all kinds of talk about Justin Fields, who's from Georgia. And uh, I don't think there's much doubt now that the Bears are going to trade him. In fact, Fields even seemed to think in the postgame yesterday in Green Bay that he's going to get traded. Uh, so he didn't seem to like his chances of coming back. Or I, I didn't hear it. I read it. So I'm not exactly sure what the tone was. But almost just from the quotes that I read – Almost sounded like he didn't want to be back. We'll see how that goes. As far as the Saints go, huge disappointment for them. I will say that had Derek Carr played uh, like, uh, like the post-December 1st Derek Carr, I mean, he was tremendous in the last four or five games. If he played anywhere near that the majority of the season, they would have easily made the playoffs. It'll be interesting to see. I know Dennis Allen had met the media earlier and was asked if he expects to be back, and he said, that is my expectation, yes. So that is one of the teams uh, that was, I guess, being monitored today for potential coaching changes. Yeah, more more coach speak. I love it when you ask the coach after the game whether they think he's going to be fired or not, basically. And, you know, that's that's basically what they're asking him. So what's he supposed to? Yeah, I think this will be the last time I ever talk with you people. Nobody ever says that. On the other side, we'll continue on with the final week in the NFL and how that translates into Super Wild Card Weekend. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. Wrapping up this final segment of hour number one, the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060, online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. Bob Kemp and I with you up until one o'clock today here on this Monday, January 8th, continuing our NFL conversation from the weekend here. Uh, The Jets and the Patriots in a snowstorm, 17 to three victory for the Jets and uh, the Jets snapped a 15 game losing streak to the Patriots and We now are all waiting to find out what Robert Kraft's decision is. As Bill Belichick has said, he is open to changes, whatever it is going to do to help the team. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens with this. I have really nothing to offer in this game. It was unwatchable. Uh, It would have been unwatchable probably if these were good teams, and they're not. So we can go on to the next game, in my opinion, unless you got something else. The Bucks and the Panthers. Bucks 9-0 victory here. The Bucks clinched the NFC South. They will play the Eagles on Monday. Baker Mayfield certainly needs to get healthy here. And then from a Panthers side of things, they're going to be looking for a new general manager. They're going to be looking for a new head coach. And they're definitely in a rough position here of trying to get something out of Bryce Young. That's true, and a lot of people say that he got better during the season. I didn't see a whole lot with that. I think he was just shockingly, to me, inconsistent accuracy-wise throwing the ball almost every game this year. 
Uh, I know he had some decent stats in some of these later games. One of them was against the Packers, who had a battered defensive backfield without like almost everybody in the defensive backfield wasn't playing. Uh, so I don't understand uh, you know, the so-called Bryce Young love uh, at this point. Uh, you know, he was very accurate when he was at uh, Alabama, but things are a whole lot different in the NFL. And another uh, short quarterback who I don't think is going to have a growth spurt. So you know, they need uh, their offensive line. Obviously, was not good, and they were chasing points all the time. But I was just shocked how he was so inaccurate when he had time to throw, and you know, the, the receivers weren't great either. I know there's things working against him, but just the inaccuracy of him when he had time to throw, compared to what we saw in college, was you know, where did that accuracy go? The Eagles and the Giants. The Giants won 27-10 to and not a good outlook for the Eagles here with an A.J. Brown knee injury who left the game. Jalen Hurts with a finger injury left that game. Devonta Smith was inactive with an ankle injury heading into the contest here. The Eagles became the first team to start 10-1 on the season and not reach 12 wins. And uh, you mentioned all the things on offense. You know, they said this day that you know Hertz does not have a broken or dislocated finger or whatever. But you know that was it was dislocated for a minute or two for sure. That was an ugly looking finger there uh, when that happened. I'll flip this to the defensive side. You know, we talked uh, all last year at this time uh, through the, and right into the Super Bowl how their defensive front was tremendous and they had 70 sacks last season. They finished this season with 43 sacks. Uh, on the uh, Giants side of things, Brian Dable and Wink Martindale apparently are both going to return. Apparently they don't get along, and they're both going to return, so we'll see how that goes. However, the Giants did already today fire their offensive line and special teams coaches. The Bills and the Dolphins, it was a 21-14 victory for the Bills. At one point, uh, the Dolphins had a chance during this season to be the one seed, and they didn't even end up winning their division. Uh, at another point in the season, the Bills were 6-6 six and six and completely out of the playoff picture. They didn't lose a game from that point and ended up going on to win the division. Yeah, I actually raised the possibility of this happening several weeks ago. Uh, just looking at the schedules and didn't believe in Miami at any point of the season, quite frankly, uh, with them when they played physical teams especially. And then yesterday, I don't think they had, you know, I know they had to lead for a while, but, you know, Xavier and Howard and Waddle and Mostert are all not playing. And, you know, obviously Chubb and Jalen Phillips are already out. They lose Van Ginkle during the game. Uh, you know, they have the worst point differential of any playoff team against plus 500 opponents, and I'm sure we have the rest of the week to get into that. I will say this, though, Josh Allen, he's got to take care of the football. Some two careless uh, red zone picks there, and then also crazy clock management at the end of the half. Yeah, even though I don't blame Allen for that, that's just a ridiculous, you know, they got a ridiculous play call. The uh, careless, I would say stupid interceptions. Hour number two of the extra point coming up on the other side of the break.